Good morning, y'all. This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. It's the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. There's quite a bit to talk about today, so I'm going to get right into it with the word on the street. And this first story uh, is a local story, uh, meaning just down the block uh, from me. And this uh, was given to me by some local listeners, and I'd like to thank them for that. Uh, but this is about Philip 66, a prominent oil company trying to switch uh, its uh, refinery in the SF area from Canadian tar sands, a heavy oil. Uh, they've been trying to import them through their Santa Maria plant, which then uh, sends everything to Rodale, where it's processed and made into uh, your gasoline. Uh, now, they're also trying to expand the marine terminal at Rodeo so they're no longer they don't no longer have to transport and use uh, so many trucks so on and so forth uh, but anyways Philip proposes Phillips proposes to import up to two billion gallons of oil per year which equals to about a hundred thirty thousand barrels per day uh, to Rodeo on oil tankers meaning right down the street from my house uh, you can see it from the freeway anytime you you drive up the I, uh, the I-80 East headed towards the Sacramento or even the Vallejo area this is real now uh, now we're going to talk about some of the well some of the expansion that they plan to do now they plan to go from 130,000 barrels a day to 140,000 barrels a day uh, they're already uh, and also on top of that expanded to another 33,000 uh, barrels per day after that uh, they all and this is all at the Rodeo plant they've already expanded the Santa Maria plant which I'm not too sure exactly where that is uh, but I'm guessing it's somewhere uh, within the area uh, they've also expanded that as well uh, they also do not really want to uh, put any of this information out there or make it available to the public which is uh, very unfortunate so a lot of us don't even know about what's going on right now this is why I figured I'd have to to, to let somebody know after somebody let me know because I didn't know uh, well anyways environmental consequences uh, environmental consequences from this because of course there will be um, but they're for one they're still being hidden from us but uh, for one uh, but let's get right into what some of them will be uh, but for one there's going to be a lot more air pollution now um, now the uh, the air refineries uh, could cause deaths 800 to 3,000 deaths over 40 years just from the switching uh, to the different type of oil this is called a tar sands oil now this could result through like I said 800 to three to 3,000 deaths over the period of four years now of course low-income communities uh, of color near the probably the Richmond area and also the area in Rodale uh, directly near uh, the refinery and whatever refineries are out there they are 8 to 12 times uh, more likely to face mortality because of these admissions so just so you know already some environmental racism just want to let y'all know uh now on top of that there is a chance there's a big chance of, of more water pollution uh because of this now let's just get right into it this different type of oil is i guess a lot heavier than what we're used to bringing in so it sinks down to the water quicker and makes it basically impossible to clean up whenever there is a spill let's just get right into it uh outside of that there is a more increased uh there's a, there's more of an increased risk of oil spillage and explosions period 
Now, just for example, in 2012 at the uh, Chevron refinery in Richmond, 25 workers uh, almost died in a crude uh, in a crude oil fire that uh, sent 15,000 people to the emergency room. Uh, now, the the uh, the tar sands oil, which they're going to switch to eventually at the Rodeo uh, refinery. Is has twice the sulfur content of the crude oil that even produced that fire in Richmond. So there's an increased chance of spills, fires, explosion, and hazards as well. And one thing that I will uh, say, going back to my memory about you know air pollutions and emissions, I remember my uh, grandmother would also have adverse effects whenever there was some type of uh, uh, toxic spill in terms of extra pollution or a fire at the Chevron plant. I remember her skin would react to that because of what was going off in the air. So this stuff is not to be played with. This is serious business. We're still using fossil fuels, depleting basically our, our ecosystems. We're putting our ecosystem and our lungs and our skin and our livelihood basically in jeopardy. And at the moment, petroleum is the biggest polluter in the state. And again, the, um, the greenhouse gases that are emitted from this hard sands oil will increase the greenhouse gas, uh, the greenhouse effect, t basically t several times over. Uh, now, for those looking to take some action, of course, uh, if you're, you know, if you're into it, uh, of course, there is a petition that you can sign online uh, at the moment. Uh, you would have to go to the website. Uh, at, I'm sorry for the Bay Area. Bay Area Air Quality Management District uh, at HTTP course, uh, the two slashes, all you know, or you know, bit.le slash 2EFBJYZ. Once again, that is bit.ly slash 2EFBJYZ. Also, earlier in the week, uh, the 11th to be exact, there was a town hall meeting. Uh, you can also go to the, if you're looking for more information, you can go to the Communities for Better Environment, uh, the Communities for Better Environment website. Uh, you can also go there at uh, www.cbecal.org. There'll be some more information about what's going on specifically here. There'll also be some more, uh, some more more information about uh, like I said future events there was a town hall on the 11th just to discuss some more information uh, but again this is a serious issue right here it seems to me that you know corporate entities are at it again trying to expand trying to take the easy way out and of course since uh, Trump rolled back EPA regulations there's no really um, there's no really that's not a whole lot they are required to do to be honest with you uh but also you can also get in you can also get in touch with your contra contra costa county representatives as well i have a couple number here a couple of numbers here just in case that might uh strike you as well uh we got super uh, supervisor john goya uh you can go uh hit him up by his number at 510-231-8686 also you can email him at john underscore uh, goya at bos uh, dot cccounty.us you can also talk to your supervisor candace anderson as well at 925-646-6067 also at supervi supervisor anderson at bos dot ccccounty.us so there's definitely, you know, avenues in which you can 
sorry, discuss uh, what's going on right now. Of course, I'll be monitoring the situation as well. But for now, there is going to be a new, well, they're going to be expanding the refinery in Rodeo. And there is some implications, some negative implications to go with that, y'all. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, we're going to move on. Uh, we, like I said, we have some stuff to talk about today. I'm gonna, I might get off the deep end, especially with this story right here. Uh, but Lori Lawson, uh, Lori Laughlin, excuse me, from Full House. Also, Felicity Huff, Huffman uh, from Despe Desperate Housewives fame, excuse me, excuse me, uh, and are just two of the more well-known suspects charged amongst 50 others over a college cheating scam. Uh, bribes of the $6.5 million uh, were made to get their rich kids into schools such as Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, and USC. Uh, now, this this is an interesting quote. Uh, this is coming from the U.S. attorney from Massachusetts, Andrew Lelling. He goes on to say this case is about the widening corruption of elite college admissions through the steady application of wealth combined with fraud. There can be no separate college admission system for the wealthy, and I'll add there, there will not be a separate criminal justice system. Again, uh, I think that that sounds great, but again, it's some more idealism because again, we've already seen them take away affirmative action. We we heard them call that of, of they we've heard them call affirmative action uh, reverse racism. So that doesn't work, which is not especially when you have this going on and you've been having this going on. There's no such thing as reverse racism. So they took away your affirmative action. So they you really have no no limb to fight on. This is what happens when you can't organize and you can't keep your shit going. You end up complaining about what they're doing when they're connected and they're organized and they're using their money. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're completely using it for the wrong reasons and they should not be cheating the system. But again, you didn't, as black folk, we should have kept affirmative action on the law books. This is why affirmative action was here. We lit, we lit turncoats like Warren Connolly and the Clarence Thomases of the world say you need to pick yourself up. No. To hell with that. Obviously, there's foul play here. We've known this to begin with. That's why, you know, when I hear about this stuff coming down the pike, it's like, I, it's wrong. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, we know that's kind of what they do. That's kind of what people that have money and kind of have that prestige are going to do with what they have in a lot of cases. You know, I don't, I don't agree with it. Uh, but what he said to me was a lot of idealism, uh, and also with the recent uh, Trump, uh, with the recent cuts to education that Trump and Betsy DeVos decided to make, one point seven five billion, y'all. So it, it, you know, it not only are they not trying to get, they're not really trying to let a whole lot of people go to school, not just black folk, but anybody who can't afford it. They're trying to keep you out the out the mud. They're trying to keep you out there at their jobs. They're trying to keep you out there little desk or whatever. They no, they're not trying to get you. They're not trying to promote you. Cause you can't get an education. They're not trying to give you a well-off-to-do job or a well-off-to-do house. Cause then you 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 wouldn't need to you wouldn't need to be servicing them. So they're gonna keep us, you know, in this rat race. Obviously, we know for a fact that these these uh these white folks have been doing this for years. Why are we acting like this is new? This is not new. We already know about the good good old boy system. For whatever reason, we didn't fight to keep affirmative action. Why? I don't know. I, I'm sorry. All I can do now is, is say, look, 
get minds and, and help others. I'm sorry. That's what happens when you, when they take away affirmative action and we allow them to do that. Sorry. There's black colleges. So, I mean, if you don't want to get, I mean, if Stanford is racist and all that, don't go to Stanford. So I could say, um, William Singer, the owner of a counseling service called Key Worldwide, he also owned another company as well, dealing with academics and so on. Uh, he was he accepted up to uh, he accepted up to one hundred and twenty five million dollars in bribes from twenty eleven to twenty eighteen. What the fuck? Uh, he pled guilty to that. He's also being charged with racketeering, uh, sorry, money laundering. Now. This is where it gets crazy to me. Who are you money line? Who are you getting money from? Walter White type dudes? What the hell? Who is mafia boss? Are mafia bosses doing this? This is a real intricate scheme. Again, very interesting. But again, when you don't have affirmative action and you allow them to take that from you, hey, you allow them to tell you that it's a reverse racism and it's not. That's the way it is. Uh, he also was charged with conspiracy to defraud and also obstruction. Uh, a couple more people were charged, including his uh, accountant, <clears throat> excuse me, Stephen uh, Macera. He was the accountant for his other company, Edge College and Career, uh, also the accountant for T Worldwide. Uh, he was indicted, as well as two other employees, uh, Michaela Sanford and also David Sadu. Uh, Singer would tell parents to get documents that basically said their children had a disability. Uh, they will also try to petition to get longer uh a longer time, uh, well, yeah, a uh, longer interest exam times. Uh, he also told parents to take the test in one or two places, either West Hollywood or Houston, where it was administered uh, by a uh, by another two uh, accomplices that will be charged as well. Uh, and Mark Riddell, a private school counselor from Florida, actually would take some of the SATs or the ACTs for these students. Uh, high school coaches uh, at these schools were were basically bribed to exaggerate a student's athletic prowess uh, on a college on on a to college level coaches, and in turn, the college level coaches would give them scholarships despite these students not even playing. So again, this is all a connected thing. This is all BS. But we known about it. I think if Stanford is really that much of a problem, then I think we need to start gearing our kids to go to Morehouse and Howard, uh, to Spelman. Just saying. And I mean, I know people will get mad at that, but. Well, obviously, they're making it known that they don't want you. There's schools that want you. Go to the schools that want you. I'm just just saying. And besides, I mean, it, depending on really what the child or the young adult would like to study and, and you know, study and, and pursue in terms of his career, Stanford and Yale, as good as they sound on paper, they might not just be the school for you. Get over it. I mean, it's like we make this big. I mean, I'm just saying it, 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 we 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 put the big deal on Stanford. We get we, just like we got heard about Gucci because we want to be a part of that. We want to be able to go to Stanford. I get it. You want to just be able to go to Stanford. But who cares when there's like a, when there's like hundreds of, of universities built, built and were designed for you and mine to succeed that that we that have uh, various networks of uh, of alumni that can hook you up anywhere just as much as uh, alumni at Stanford can and when we're talking about the quality of education they're all the same they've all been accredited so the only difference is the name and the endowment so you're only tripping about Stanford because you want you you know you're, you're really heard about that you want to be at the, the big time university at the mainstream university that everybody can point out and say oh you're really accomplished but if it, I mean, depending on what you're depending on what you're studying, you might be better off going to a, a Texas Tech 
or Prairie A&M University, depending on what you're all about. There's certain schools that are well-renowned for different, you know, for different things. So don't worry about it. There's thousands of other universities we can go to. And don't act like the black the black the athletes are getting screwed. The only thing that I mean, they pretty much have it okay. They just they they should get paid, I think. Outside of and this is kind of why, again, this is why I think we the, we the, the, they they would have called it boosters back in the day. They would have had a problem with it. This is how certain schools got you know their top athletes look. Why not pay them? This is why we pay the athletes because y'all gonna do it anyway. And y'all gonna be sneaky about it, and y'all gonna find ways to put y'all peoples in. So, I, again, I think when you see when you see black people getting successful, black people, you know, getting education, that's when it became a problem. I think affirmative action became a problem when uh, the black population at schools such as Michigan uh, dropped, uh, you know, rose to the double digits, rose to twelve percent. That's when it became a problem. Not when we, you know, we're barely, you know, not when we were going to black colleges and going from there and so on and so forth. But when we started going to schools like Berkeley and, and like I said, Michigan and, and our population started to rise there, that's when all that became an issue. When black athletes are, are finally getting prominence and going to, to different universities, getting educations, that's when they started to shut down certain universities, start saying, hey, Oh, hold on now. How are you getting so many athletes? That's when you started getting certain schools a death penalty and, and taking away postseasons. That's when I started to see. That's when I started to see like it's a problem. For white folk can do the same. They've been doing that same little thing, the same thing that Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman got charged with doing. They've been doing that for for hundreds of years. Let's keep that real. So it's not so much that I don't think it's so much that uh, what they it, it's so much that they have a problem with seeing us doing something right sometimes, and that's sometimes what I see. It's I think it's 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 y'all have a problem with us taking taking something and 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 uh, making making it worthwhile and accomplishing something. I think y'all have more. Of a, I think sometimes society has more of an issue with seeing us be successful than it sees white people doing something wrong. Just being honest, like I have to throw that out there because um, it bothers me. It, it really does. Um, and one more quick note before I move on: uh, the California California decided has decided to suspend the death penalty. Uh, Seven hundred thirty-seven inmates who were on the child uh, who were on the chopping block, so to speak. Well, yeah, literally speaking, are now uh, they're not free, of course, but they won't be killed. Uh, this is in uh, reverse to Prop sixty six that was passed by voters a few years back that wanted to actually uh, speed that process up. So again, there was a lot going on, uh, still a lot more going on. I can't get to it all today, of course. That's why we have a weekend. I'll try to get back either Sunday night uh, or Monday morning to discuss some more news. We got some Trump stuff going on. Yeah, we got some Trump stuff, Trump stuff to talk about uh, with his new veto and everything. Uh, but for now, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to get into some football. We're going to talk some free agency. Uh, yes, I, I did say I was going to talk about some AB2 and how I felt about that. So we're going to get into that. And then uh, we're going to wrap everything up with some college basketball. We got some conference tournaments to talk about. Of course, we are wrapping up in terms of the regular season. The March Madness is here uh, starting Monday night. So we're going to have to, we're going to wrap everything up uh, for 
for this for the regular season with these conference tournaments up between tonight and also like I said Sunday uh, Sunday night Monday morning just depending on how I feel when I get home from work tomorrow night uh, but we will be back with with some more info on that but uh, let me take a quick break and I holla at you all right, y'all, I'm back. I'm going to talk some NFL news right here. And, of course, uh, the biggest news around the NFL is that concerning Antonio Brown. Of course, he was traded from the Steelers to Oakland for a third and a fifth round pick. Uh, AB's contract will increase from uh, $38.9 million uh, to $51.1 million uh, with $30 uh, well, sorry, with thirty million guaranteed. Uh, AB will be making $19.8 million a year, which is all an upgrade in terms of his you know his pockets which is pretty much what he wanted uh which drove his you know need for a trade from pittsburgh which i i kind of get it uh, i would have just been honest about it and just said look i want to be traded because i'm not getting paid what i fit what i feel is do mine um and kind of just went from there and had uh pittsburgh handle it you know, at any point in time, uh, but when you kind of act irrationally, uh, and then you say, "Well, I'm I, this is really what I wanted," it comes off. I don't. Know, to me, it just comes off as a little lame. To me, I just figured he could have just been a little bit honest about it. He wasn't feeling what he was getting paid. Uh, he could have been told, you know, Pittsburgh how he felt and allowed Pittsburgh to deal with it. Um, you know, on a mutual on a mutual level, uh, he decided to you know, be, you know, I mean, I, and don't get me wrong, he gets his money, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment too much on that, but I, I just, uh, I just didn't like the, the persona he put on and all the stuff that he put on to get his point across. And, um, I think there would have been a, uh, a better way to do that. With that being said, he had 104 catches last year. That was a sixth year with over 100 catches. Uh, he also led the NFL in uh, touchdown catches, 15 in total, which was more than all the receivers we had combined. Uh, he is second in touchdowns uh, to Rob Gronkowski if we're talking about the past seven years. So he's very talented. Uh, I never took that away from the man. I thought that he uh, had a lot of potential coming into the league, at least after the first couple of years, and uh, they started to really, uh, you know, give him his props uh but as of now just just the it's the attitude uh that i'm worried about and uh you know there's so much that's being said about the raiders you know of course there was rumors about us getting Le'Veon bill of course there was rumors about us possibly getting kyler murray and let's just say that that does happen and uh we get in, we're in a situation where we have kyler murray and you know i don't know what our running game is going to look like and um you know let's just say our offense struggles uh, you know, I just have a, I just have a feeling that if you know Antonio Brown uh, latches in and just gives uh, Kyler Murray just a whole bunch of, just a whole bunch of hell, uh, or just imagine him giving Derek Carr a whole bunch of hell, whoever is behind center, just a whole bunch of hell. And I don't really see that that work, see that working. Uh, I think if that quarterback does have a backbone, is able to snap back at him and and able to put him in his place, because I think. The quarterback as a leader of a team. I would never, I wouldn't invest so much on a on thirty year old uh, wide receiver, uh, despite the numbers, especially if he had drama like that. That's personally my my point of view. I would always start with the quarterback and then uh, go from go from there. Maybe set him up with a running back uh, to offset offset uh, everything on offense 
at least or balance everything on offense uh, so we're able to move it maybe get a receiver after that so he has somebody to throw to or maybe even just get an offensive line uh, I will tell you that though uh, the Raiders did do some of that because they were one of the biggest movers uh, in uh, free agency thus far in the first couple of days so I'm not 100% with the AB pick uh, I feel like he is on the wrong side of 30 uh, he does have an attitude adjustment uh, attitude problem um, and I, I think it's this I think what he's coming with what, what's now what he's showing now with the smiles and the new the hairdo I think it's a little bit disingenuous when I look at his smile uh it doesn't seem natural to me I think he's somebody that I that he has been is really angry and is really holding back and he's really self uh self-centered and that smile that he poses to me it's, it's one of those those smiles that I don't I don't personally trust. It's like one of those crazy dude smiles. Like, I'm smiling today, but if you catch me on the wrong side or if you catch me on the wrong uh, situ- in, end of a situation, I'm liable to fire on you. And, um, yeah, I think that locker room better buckle up and better get some, like, uh, get some get some heavy, heavy-handed heavy individuals or uh, some, some backbone-type individuals, uh, uh, you know, especially, you know, along that offensive line, maybe somebody linking the offensive uh, – in that offensive group that could that could balance him out, maybe even check him or something because unsure he can go wild, and we saw that in Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe John Gruden can do it from a coach standpoint and just rally him in because I think he can go too far off the deep end, and I personally uh, I personally don't like it. Uh, but I will get into some more of what the Raiders did uh, in terms of their offseason moves. Again, they were one of the more busier teams during the offseason, but before that, I want to get into another high-profile wide receiver trade. This one dealing with Odell Beckham Jr., of course, from Giants fame, uh, he was traded recently to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he was traded there for a 17, for the 17th round pick in this year's draft and also a second and third round pick along with safety Jabril Preppers, uh, who is going to be taking up the spot that Landon Collins left when he went to go to D.C. So there you go. Uh, the Browns also signed uh, defensive tackle uh, Sheldon Richardson to a three-year $56 million deal. Uh, so it looks to me uh, that the Browns are trying to make uh, trying to make some um, some ch- some some moves as well. Uh, I think they I, from the moves that I've seen here. Uh, I think they're one of the more all-in teams for next year. The Raiders uh, with the pickups that they made. I think outside of AB kind of proved that as well. Uh, at least, well, well, I think on a couple of their hits, they hit on that. Uh, but I, like I said, I'll get into some more of those moves in a second. Uh, with the pickup for uh, Jabril Preppers, uh, I mean, not Jabril Preppers, but uh, with the pickup for Sheldon Richardson uh, for Cleveland, I think they got a solid... Um, uh, they got a solid defensive tackle uh, in the middle. Uh, they definitely got some more tackling going on. Of course, they gave up Jabril Preppers, excuse me, in that trade uh, with the Giants uh, again. So uh, look for them to make up for it uh, with some with some good de- defensive line play. Again, that Odell Beckham uh, Odell Beckham trade makes him a wide open offense. Baker does have some weapons to throw to. Uh, it would behoove him to get even more accurate. Uh, so I, I think they're looking like a good team right now. I, I like the trade personally uh, for both squads. I think the, the Giants, uh, again, I think they should have drafted a, a quarterback a while back, or actually last season, instead of getting a running back. Uh, but again, uh, I think Odell Beckham was a problem for them. Um, just like A.B. was a problem for the Steelers. I think A.B. A. might work in Oakland, uh, but the fact of the matter is it came to it had come to a head in which it was not going to work in Pittsburgh, and that's all that mattered. And I think New York came to the same conclusion. Um, 
he, you know, he probably won't be happy. Uh, Odell probably won't ever be happy here. And we probably won't get what we want from him here. So let's move on from him and see what we can do um, for the future. Hopefully they get a quarterback at some point. Uh, but moving on, we're going to uh, also talk some more about this free agency period, at least the first, uh, what's happened the first couple of days. Uh, some of the biggest movers, of course, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they made two uh, pretty uh, decent signings, really two good signings, actually. Uh, they got safety Earl Thomas, four years, $55 million. Of course, he's coming off that big injury uh, last year. Uh, but again, he's one of the top savings in the league, one of the best defensive players in the league now that Cam Chancellor is gone. Uh, look for him to make someone of a yeah make look for him to make a big impact. He'll be replacing Eric Weddle. So there you go, Baltimore. Uh, they did lose C.J. Mosley, by the way, but uh, they're looking to get that secondary. Inf- uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty well established. Uh, they also were able to sign running back Mark Ingram. I thought that was a solid pickup as well. He's a good uh, in-between-the-tackles type of running back, good moving-the-chains type of back. Uh, keep their offense moving, keep it balanced, and you don't have to necessarily put it in Lamar Jackson's hands and have him run with it. So I like that pickup. Uh, the Jets made a pretty big splash as well. Uh like I said, too, uh, they got C.J. Mosley uh, over there from the Baltimore Ravens. They signed him to a five-year, $85 million deal. That's their best pickup, in my opinion, uh, looking to sh- sh- uh, solidify that defense once again, uh, make it stout. Uh, they also got uh, running back Le'Veon Bell. They got him to a four-year, four, uh, $52 million deal. So uh, hopefully, if he comes in uh, ready for camp, uh, in shape, look for that offense to take some strides. They also signed Jamison Crowder, too, over from the Redskins, three years 283 million speed uh speedster so they're looking to improve offensively as well Donald has some targets they have a good running game uh with Le'Veon Bell so they're and I think they've been signing some couple uh they've they've been getting some offensive linemen too so uh if they're able to stay healthy uh Donald's able to progress look for them to take another step forward Uh, of course the Raiders uh they made some big moves as well uh not only did they get make the move to get a B they also signed safety LaMarcus Joyner from the uh the LA Rams to a four-year 42 million dollar deal one of the better uh, younger safeties out there. I like the pickup personally. Uh, it makes us, uh, it, well, you know, it adds depth to a secondary that was non-existent. Uh, we also got offensive tackle Trent Brown. Uh, we signed him over from the Patriots to a four-year, sixty-six million dollar deal. That's one of the one of the uh, richest contracts for an offensive lineman. Um, a lot can be said about him. I'm a little bit hidden. I'm a little bit iffy on that pick too. Uh, a lot uh, was said about his development being under uh, Skarnekia. I forgot his first name, but he's the offensive line coach over there in New England. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people were saying that was basically in well, his development and his you know what you saw last year uh was basically a product of the coaching he received there so i don't know if he'll get that same type of coaching here in oakland uh he might be exposed a little bit uh, but we'll have to we'll have to see uh the raiders also uh were able to get wide receiver terrell williams to a four-year deal 44 44 million i thought that was a good pickup as well uh, i think offensively we should be balanced i'm thinking that i'm looking at it now uh, i just 
like to see what we do in terms of getting a running back. And we didn't give up a first round, none of our first round picks either. So that's looking good for us. I would just like to to to, to see what they do with it. I'm interested in seeing what they do uh, with those those first round picks now uh, for the Raiders. And also moving on, uh, we got the 49ers making two big defensive signings. They were able to get Quan Alexander, uh, Alexander, uh, t- one of the one of the better linebackers in the league, to a four year uh, fifty four million dollar uh, fifty fifty four million dollar deal. Uh, you also got D Ford signing a five year eighty seven point five million dollar deal. Uh, good defensive end out of Kansas City. Uh, SF is looking to improve defensively as well. Other uh, notable re-signings throughout the league. Uh, uh, for one, we got offensive lineman Ramon Foster signing a three year. Uh, eight point twenty uh eight point twenty five million dollar deal with Pittsburgh. Uh, he resigns there, like I, like I said, for three more years. Uh, the oh, actually defensive end Dante Fowler also signs a year long deal with the Rams, worth twelve million. Uh, also another defensive lineman Marcus Hunt resigns with Indianapolis for two years, worth nine million. Anthony Barr, one of the biggest resignings so far, uh, decides to stay with the Minnesota Vikings for five years and sixty seven point eight million bucks. Uh, we also got another linebacker here re-signing with Seattle. This one being KJ Wright, two years, fifteen point five million here, and Jason McCourney resigns for a two-year deal with the Patriots. I do not have the uh, financial details on that, but I will be moving on, and we will be we, sorry. We will be wrapping everything up with some college basketball talk. Of course, we have these conference tournaments, and uh, we'll just be going over some scores from there. And uh, yeah, we'll be wrapping everything up. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back, and I'm going to wrap this up for today. Like I said, I got some college basketball I wanted to go over. We got some conference tournaments wrapping up, and we have March Madness on its way. So let's get right into it. We got some Big Ten uh, conference scores here. The AFC Ohio State uh, took an L to the first-seeded Michigan State. 70-77 to is the final score there uh, for Ohio State, uh, they were led by their forward, Andre Wesson. He had 14 points, 3 rebounds, and also 3 assists. Their guard, Keyshawn Woods, also had 16 points. For Michigan State, as usual, uh, they got a big game from their guard, Cassius Winston. He had 18 points, 7 assists. I'm sorry, 7 rebounds and 5 assists. Uh, their forward, Foster Lawyer, also had 14 points and 3 assists. Their uh, guard, Matt McQuaid, also had 12 points and 4 rebounds uh, for Michigan State they are now at 26 and 6 uh, Ohio State is now 19 and 4 and still on that bubble they haven't uh, broken through yet to the tournament uh, moving on we got some uh, some more Big Ten action here uh, the seven seeded uh, Minnesota was able to get an upset against the second seeded Purdue 75 to 73 is the score there moving on to some XCC X sorry SEC action uh, we got the eighth seeded Florida getting an upset against the first seeded LSU 76 to 73 is the final score there let's go over the st- uh, the stats for that one uh, for Florida uh, they were led by their uh, their guard Andrew Nimhard he had 20 points four assists and six rebounds their fourth Keontae Johnson had uh, 16 points uh, 10 rebounds and also three assists their other guard Jalen Hudson also had 13 points three assists and as well and also two rebounds for LSU uh, their forward Naz Reed led all scores with 26 points he also had 
14 rebounds. And guard Javante Smart had 13 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists coming off the bench. Moving on, uh, we have one more SEC game here. The six-seeded Mississippi State took a loss to Mississippi. I'm sorry, to Tennessee. The final score being uh, 76 to 83. Um, Tennessee is still that. Well, Tennessee was the third, the third seed here. Um, Speaking of going back to Florida and LSU real quick, Florida is now 19 and 14. Uh, they're still on the bubble too, but I think with this one, they've probably punched a ticket in. LSU is now at 26 and 6. Moving on, we got some Big 12 action here. Uh, the first seeded Iowa, uh, first seeded Kansas State, excuse me, took a L. This is another upset here. They took this loss to the fifth seeded Iowa State Cyclones. 59 and 63 is the final score here. Let's go through the stats. Mario Shea. Yaka Korsley, the Cyclones, he had 21 points and three rebounds. Uh, their other guard, Nick Wheeler-Babb, he also had 12 points, six rebounds, and three of six. Uh, for Kansas State, they were helped out by their two guards, Cartier Diara. He had 15.7 rebounds as well as three assists. They also got help from Barry Brown Jr. 13 points, four rebounds, and three assists. Iowa State moves on to the championship round for this turn for the for the conference. Excuse me, 22 and 11 is their is their record. And for Kansas State, they are now 25 and eight, but still looking uh, at a prime spot uh, in the in the big dance. Uh, moving on, we also got West Virginia, the 10th seed, getting it done against Kansas. I'm sorry, losing to Kansas. Uh, the third seed here, 74 to 88. We also got some ACC tournament action. Uh, Duke was able to get it done by one point against their rival, uh, North Carolina. They were the third seed. Uh, Duke was the third seed. Uh, North Carolina was the second seed. Uh, Duke uh, won that game, excuse me, 74 to 73. We also got another upset. The fourth seeded Florida State Seminoles got it done against the tournament favorite, uh, the first seeded Virginia. Uh, they got that win 69 to 59, so a good win actually by 10. Uh, let's go over the stats here as well. Uh, for Florida State, they were led by David Nichols, 14 points, five rebounds, and also three assists. Guard uh, Trent Forrest also had 10 points, six rebounds, and three assists. And their forward, Phil Coffer, had 11 points and two rebounds. For Virginia, they were led by their three guards, as usual. DeAndre Hunter had 13 points. Kyle Guy had 11 points, four assists, and two rebounds. And Ty Jerome had 10 points, two rebounds, and two assists. If I'm not mistaken, Virginia, I'm sorry, Florida State will be moving on to the championship round to face Duke, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, no, I think they have like another round to go to. That is a deeper conference, if I'm not mistaken. So they, I think they have one more round to, to go through before they get to the finals. But uh, for Virginia, they are now 29-3, and three, still holding on to a one of the top seeds, maybe a second seed at this point uh, in the, going into the big tournament, uh, but certainly out of the ACC, uh, ACC title picture. As for Florida State, they are 27-6. and six. Uh, Moving on, we got some Pac-12 action some uh we got the first seeded washington huskies getting it done against the colorado buffaloes the fifth seed 66 to 61 and in my favorite game of the night uh my ducks have been able to turn around uh their season for for, an, for now uh for an extent they haven't really gotten any uh 
any push for a tournament bid just yet uh, but they came into this tournament this Pac-12 tournament as a six seed uh, they were kind of dead in the water they had a three-game losing streak coming uh, well at one point in the season didn't have a winning record against the top 25 but they are one game away from being able well, being able to claim themselves as conference championships uh, as conference champions excuse me the six seed uh, Ducks got got the win against the Sun Devils 79 to 75 Arizona State was the second seed. Uh, let's break this the score down for Oregon. They were led by their two forwards, Lewis King. He had 19.7 rebounds and two assists. Uh, their their other forward, Paul White, had 14 points and seven assists. Guard uh, Peyton Pritchard had 18 points. Eight assists and three rebounds. For Arizona State, they were led by their two guards, Lugans Dort. He had 16 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Uh, Rob Edwards, their other guard, he also had 15 points, five rebounds, and two assists. And uh, their forward, Zylan Cheatham, had 14 points and nine rebounds, as well as three assists. For the Ducks, they are now at 22 and 12 and a possible bubble team. It's a little late. Um, and since they haven't even been on the bubble since before, well, at least been talk. Well, there hasn't been any real talk about them being on the bubble, at least till now. Uh, as as strong as a showing that they've had, and if they were able to get a win against Washington tonight in the Pac-12 championship, uh, the finals are tonight. That might push. They might have pushed them to a bubble team, but it's a little bit too too late. Uh, again, there was a three-game losing streak that they had in the beginning of the season, in which they were losing to unranked teams, which is not good. Uh, they also uh, came into there. They also had a couple losses against some some minor teams. I think Oklahoma. I'm sorry, uh, Omaha, at Omaha, Nebraska, uh, for one. Uh, they also had a loss to Houston earlier in the year as well when they were ranked. Again, they were not really good against top 25 teams. So even if we were to sneak into the tournament, uh, that first round might be okay. We might slip slip past there. But the minute the second round we get into that second round, I would say we're we're gone. That's just me, and that's my and that's my team i watched them so i know enough about them i would know i watched them enough to know but uh it's been a good run for them uh they if they were able to get us if they were able to get a shot a win against washington would do that uh, again coming in as a as a sixth seed but again uh, they don't really have a great record against the top 25 and there was a three game losing streak in the middle of the season uh pac-12 losing streak so those are going against them right now uh i Again, a win against Washington, the first seed, who was ranked that one time. See, if Washington was ranked, it might have been different, but I'm not even too sure if Washington is ranked right now. So it's a, it's, a, it's too many ifs right now. Uh, it's too many ifs for Oregon right now. But like I said, it was a good run. Uh, but we're going to call it a wrap for today. My next episode, like I said, I'm trying to put it out uh, either tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night or Monday morning, just depending on how I feel. Uh, of course, the, the big tournament, the big dance, the NCAA championship tournament starts on Monday. Monday, so I definitely want to get it get it out before all that goes down because I want to give you guys an updated uh, version of the seedings uh, and and just uh, to wrap up on the con uh, the conference tournaments uh, and some of the smaller conferences as well as you know of course these major conferences. Today I went through all the major conf the major five conferences: Pac-12, SEC, so on and so forth. Uh, but tomorrow I wanted to go through some of the well next episode I wanted to go through some of these smaller conferences like the Big West, the West Coast Conference where Gonzaga's at. Uh, also the Big East, uh, some of the mid-majors as well. Some of the ones, uh, they're not as prominent, of course, but 
there's they got some good teams out there. So we wanted to cover them as well. As far as the NFL goes, I wanted to check back uh, into free agency, go from there. Uh, and then also we have the big issue with Trump making his first veto in his presidency. So two, uh, three major things I wanted to get into. Um, and we'll and I'll go from there. So either you hear from me tomorrow night or uh, Monday night again, just depending on how I feel coming in from work. Uh, once again, if you want to get in touch with me, you can holler at me on the Instagram. That is L Jamal Ajani E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Of course, I'm on Facebook as well with the same name. If you are feeling it, uh, please interact with me. And if you would like to donate, please do. I am of I do have a paypal account uh as well as a cash app so please if you're feeling it if you want to donate a little bit something is much appreciated if not please interact please let me know you're listening it's much a block it's much loved and i love the feedback that i get again uh, a lot of these ideas for for content come from you guys so uh it's i love interacting with you guys i commend i commend the ones that do please thank you and um i am available and uh if somebody hasn't told you yet i love you y'all have a good day uh, peace out and love